The Findings Journey to the Center of the Mind Congratulations! You have completed the Confusion Experiment, a 100-day journey from the head to the heart and beyond. My hope is that you are inspired and encouraged to do your own experiment, to discover what is true for you, to explore how it is that your mind works, to examine what your thinking is presenting to you, and to begin to question anything that doesn't light you up. The point of any experiment is to share the findings. So I offer you these nuggets of insight because even though this was a personal experience, the information I received is universal. These revelations offer a practical education that you can apply to your everyday living, which in turn can lead you into a deepening of your own life experience. This information came from the notes I took after my weekends with Kyle Cease and Michael Beckwith and my own inspired writings after watching all 100 videos. Here's what I learned. Meditation is really the honing of the skill to be still. Meditation is about the practice of sitting with yourself, which is actually very difficult for most people to do because we're not comfortable being with ourselves. We're also very addicted to stimulation, and the idea of having none for an hour, let alone 15 minutes, is terrifying for most people. We've also convinced ourselves that we don't have the time. That's why meditation is a practice. By doing it every day, you strengthen your meditation muscle and become more comfortable simply being with yourself. Meditation is not about stopping your thoughts. For those who think meditation is about stopping your thoughts, I would say that the majority of my time meditating is filled with thoughts. What changed is my relationship to them. Meditation is not about the elimination of your thoughts. It can't be, and here's why. The mind's job is to think. It's like a manufacturing warehouse churning out thoughts all day and all night. When we go to sleep, the mind is still creating thoughts. Your thoughts, my thoughts, everybody's thoughts. I believe they swirl around at night while we're asleep, waiting. Then, when you wake up, sometimes before you even open your eyes, they come rushing in. Thoughts, thoughts, and more thoughts. So meditation is not about stopping thoughts. They're here to stay. Also, meditation is very quick with the impact it has on the body. Though I left Kyle's retreat and returned to Anchorage feeling very depressed, by day eight of my experiment, I was feeling better. My mind was still blown to pieces, but I noted in that video that I felt better. There is no method of meditation. Not to say that there aren't different teachings that are valid and worthwhile, because I too teach different types of meditation. However, I now believe that there is no necessary method. If you think there's a method, that delays the experience. I have to go find the method because I don't know what it is. Somebody has to teach me. No, the method of meditation is get a chair, sit down, set the timer on your phone for 60 minutes or six, close your eyes, get the popcorn and watch the show. That's it. And the next day, do it again. Then, when you find yourself attached to your thoughts and suddenly you're shopping in Costco or having an imaginary conversation with someone in your head, come back to your breath. Always come back to the breath. Did you know that the breath is the only thing that can interrupt the autonomic nervous system? Do you know that we're wired for fight or flight 
and the breath is the only thing that tells your brain it's not in crisis? Do you know that when you take a deep breath, you just communicated to your mind that everything's okay? For example, when you get a message from your boss or your friend that says, we need to talk, your brain goes into its fight or flight response. If you take a conscious breath, you're telling your mind there is no charging elephant. This is so important because the breath halts the secretion of adrenaline and cortisol, hormones that were never meant to run nonstop in your body. They were designed to serve your system in short-term doses in that small window of fight or flight. Now, however, we're so overstimulated that everything is perceived as a threat, and the constant secretion of these hormones is depleting our immune system. This is why they say stress kills. So breathe. Meditation reveals the one behind the thoughts. Whatever the word is for you, universe, God, Allah, higher power, the thing itself, there's a you behind the you. There's a mind behind your mind, and thank goodness for that. This is the mind that knows all because it is all. I like to call it the intelligence that holds all the planets in place. This is the mind that communicates via our intuition. It knows stuff and wants to share. Meditation connects you with this mind, and the benefits are life-changing. Get to know this mind as quickly as possible because it's awesome. Meditation shows you things, though maybe not when you think it will. Some amazing things happened while I meditated. The lava lamp stuff, the tingling sensation in my head, feeling like I was stretched out of time and space. But so much more happened afterwards. My morning hour of meditation gave me realizations throughout the rest of the day, no matter what I was doing. Answers came quickly. Lost items were found easily. Things flowed without my effort. And the insights I had around personal growth issues that had been plaguing me for years popped up in my conscious mind as nuggets of perspective and insight that caused one healing after another. We are not our thoughts. For many weeks in the beginning of this experiment, I was tumbling and twisting and rolling inside a tornado of my thoughts. I am confused. I am sad. I am unhappy. I believed I was those thoughts. I identified myself with them, as them. After several weeks of meditation, I felt like I was sucked out of that whirlwind and put right on the edge of it. I still feel the pull into this crazy vortex of thoughts, but I started to question, wait a minute, am I confused? Am I confusion? Then, after a while, I moved far enough away from the chaos that I was able to observe my thoughts. It was similar to sitting in a movie theater. What a shit show. No wonder I've been confused and depressed. Look at this thing. It's crazy. It's insanity. And I love it because it's mine. That's when I realized that I am not my thoughts. I am something else. Over time, I found myself sitting with the me behind the me, the divine one, seeing things from its perspective. That's when I realized this is the intelligence that breathes me, that beats my heart, and it has nothing to do with the mind that wants to see how many people liked my post on Facebook. It's important to learn how to look at things because the mind loves to present life to us through its own filters, and those filters are usually distorted. Meditation allowed me to distance myself far enough away from my thinking that I finally understood that there may be confusion 
but I am not confused. Truly a transformational moment. The mind needs to know. We have an obsession with knowing. Vision boards, goals, five-year plans, day planners, time management, to-do lists, all so that you know what you're doing, where you're going, and how you'll get there. This obsession with knowing places a high value on the mind, so much so that I can see that sometimes when I thought I was using my mind, my mind was really using me. In addition, the mind doesn't like the way the heart works. The mind wants to determine a new moment based on what's already familiar, using the past as its reference point to how it ought to be. Except a new moment has no past. The heart replaces facts and evidence with feelings and uses its own set of qualifiers called intuition and instinct. These two inherent qualities have very little value in our society's formula for success, and that is particularly true when you experience change. So when you take a leap of faith, you don't necessarily have all the information. That's intentional. Life loves to play. But because the mind needs to know everything before it leaps, past attempts, failures and risks, likelihood of success, it rarely gives the green light. This is why we often feel so stuck and unable to move forward or make a decision. Meanwhile, the heart uses feelings as a preview. Now I can appreciate the importance of Kyle's question, how do you feel? This is the tug of war between the heart and the mind that was so keenly represented in the left side, right side of the page exercise. In addition, because the mind works with what it knows, it has specific filters about how things should look. And if it doesn't look that way, then it must mean nothing is happening. I suffered from this time and time again and was able to see that it was a cause of not just stress, but depression, as I got stuck in the belief that nothing was happening while so much was. Another major breakthrough. The mind can take neutral data and create a conclusion that isn't true. This is why it's critical to challenge what your mind presents to you. In doing that myself, I realized I was trying to build my future from my past. The heart is more like a GPS. A GPS doesn't give you every direction all at once before you leave the driveway. You'd never get anywhere. Once you identify where it is you want to go, the GPS figures out the how and tells you one direction at a time, and you trust it to get you where you've told it you want to go. That's exactly how the heart works. The instructions from the heart come after you leap through instinct and intuition, the GPS of the heart. If your heart is telling you to do something, believe that it's important and knows the way. The heart goes by feelings. I'll give you an example. I have really strong instincts. I'm sure you do too. Throughout my spiritual journey, using my practices and tools, my intuition has gotten sharper. So when I left Alaska in 2013 and left my home, my career, and my life behind, I knew I was ready for something else, something more, something that would take all the different aspects of who I was and bring them together unified. I didn't know what it was I was ready for, but I had a feeling it would find me and I would recognize it. I trusted my instinct enough to take the leap of faith. As I traveled into new territory, I can see now that when my instinct kicked in, my mind jumped in right after it and shouted, Wait! You can't do that! That can't be right! We've never done this before! 
I can't look to the past and see how this has happened or worked out. We don't have a reference point. You can't possibly know. We should find someone who does. That well-presented, unexamined argument created doubt. That doubt caused me to not trust my instinct, and that caused separation to my own knowing self, as I believe the outer world knew more than my inner world. So I went outside of myself for the tiniest things, like picking a logo for my website. My first choice was a blue lotus, but what do I know about a good logo for a website? I better find the people who do know. I asked all my friends and business colleagues for their feedback. Of course, everyone had a different opinion. Now I have way too much information. I'm overwhelmed, confused, and paralyzed. I don't know which way to go. Meanwhile, weeks have gone by until finally I say to myself, pick the blue one. In the end, I came back to the first logo that I loved because of how it made me feel. But the distance that was driven between me and my knowing self was miles wide, and the time spent second-guessing myself caused incredible stress. So did my need for perfectionism. The moral of this story is I knew what was right for me from the beginning because of how I felt when I saw it. My heart loved that blue logo. The mind can only work with what it knows. The heart works with what it feels. The mind has taken us collectively as far as we can go. Do you know what I'm saying? We're seeing it in our everyday living. The mind has run its course as the tool for our evolution. It's not the mind that's going to take us to the next place. It's the heart. That's why I'm so excited that you're here and you're reading this. This is about you making the choice to open your heart a little bit more today, tonight and tomorrow. It's about listening to your heart, getting familiar with its language and trusting its guidance. Here's why that's important. We effectively cut the heart out of the equation, as well as the value that instinct and intuition bring in balancing how we know. Instead, our model of success is what you know and who you know. Knowing, that's success. And knowing leads to clarity, another seemingly important piece to happiness. You already know how I feel about clarity. No wonder I felt like I was a failure in these last three years. I can see this so clearly now. I thought I didn't know, but really, I didn't know that I knew. Now, I know that I know. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to take a course and learn something from someone else. However, my new method is to first turn within and ask. That process acknowledges that there is something beyond my own thinking mind that knows, and I can communicate with it and it with me. We are the guru we've been looking for. We're trained to look outside of ourselves. We actually believe that people and things are our source. We've come to believe that it's someone else's job to satisfy our needs, and that always leads to disappointment because it's built on a false premise that your source is external. For too long, we've believed that the outer world creates the inner world, so we need people to be a certain way and say certain things to make us feel certain ways. I have actually believed that people make me feel different emotions, and if only they would say something else, or if only they had done something else, then I would feel differently. That has failed pretty consistently throughout the majority of my adult life. It's called control. It's called manipulation. It's called insanity. But this is what we do. We believe people are causing our inner world, our emotions, how we feel. 
we believe that they need to change before we do. I finally realized, nope, I'm responsible. It's going on inside me. It's mine to own and work with. As the great Reverend Rainbow Johnson said long ago, I may have pressed your buttons, but I didn't install them. I've never forgotten that saying. It's a good one to remember. We're afraid to feel. We're so afraid to feel that we'd rather blame others for our feelings. We've been told to numb them, avoid them, project them, do all kinds of things instead of feeling them. But let me tell you, what's real is that we feel. Clearing stuck energy by giving ourselves permission to feel all the hurt, the anger, the disappointment, and everything else that has become, as Eckhart Tolle calls it, a pain body, is critical to being able to live from our hearts. If your heart is clogged up with unforgiveness, how can your best self emerge? If you're riddled with shame and blame, how can you trust yourself to leap? My mind was always showing me how someone else was to blame. Meditation showed me what was mine. Another game changer. It's time we mature and own our feelings. How do you do that? By learning how to sit with your feelings and feel them. By allowing yourself to become comfortable with your own discomfort. That's the skill to develop and meditation is one way to do it. We've got to do the turnaround. We have to turn away from the world of effects, the headlines, what doesn't feed us and what makes us heavy, and turn towards what makes us feel better. Here's what I have learned. Life is mostly a vibrational thing, and it's pretty awesome. We're here to feel good. When I look at the headlines, I don't feel good. So what am I going to do? Am I going to take my precious, creative, never-been-here-before moment and react to something that's already done? How does my emotional reaction change a headline? Better to ask, what's mine to do? And put your creative energy towards being a solution versus a reaction. One of the things I learned in meditation is that I want to be right on the edge of the problem. If I'm in the problem, I can't be a place for the solution to come through me. I can't be the solution if I'm in the problem. I want to see the problem, but not necessarily be absorbed by it or taken down by it. This is the new place for us to be, outside of the problem, just enough to understand it, to ride the edge of what's happening, so as to be a vessel through which a solution can come. Yes, these things that are happening in our world hurt. It's crazy the depth of poverty, oppression, and violence that fills our lives. But crazy is not going to fix crazy. Love will fix it. The heart will fix it. Peace will fix it. Harmony will fix it. You're not going to get your answers from out there. You'll get them from inside you, from your heart, from the one that knows. Be willing to change. One of the things that happened along the way was that I had to say goodbye to me. As I have been moving through this time of reorganization, I never did so without bringing my radio personality into the mix. I can see now that this was another time in which I spoke about myself in the third person. Meditation revealed to me I had been fighting for her place in my new life. It wasn't until I came back to Anchorage in the summer of 2017 that I understood what was happening. I was doing some fill-in work at KNBA Radio. It was the first time back at my old stomping ground since 2016 when I also did some part-time work while in town. 
with the headphones on, a song playing in my ears, I heard a voice say, This is too limiting. You love music, but it's too limiting. I immediately thought, you can't take this from me. But then I realized that nobody was taking anything from me. It was all going with me, but it was going to convert its form and its shape into something new. Wasn't this what I asked for, to let the new emerge? This openness to change was a huge turning point for me. I had been trying all this time to force who I'd been in radio, this great rock and roll DJ, into a new idea that was not yet fully formed. I can see why I was so attached to this identity. It's who I've known myself to be for a long time. So the idea of letting that go was terrifying. Who would I be if I wasn't that? In that instant, the butterfly began to flap her wings. Who we believe ourselves to be, how we see ourselves, the identities we have, the roles we play. When you deepen your awareness of the self, when you consciously and actively co-create your own evolution, shift happens. Things fall away. You outgrow relationships and jobs. Sometimes you even outgrow you. The more I changed internally, the more my outer world fell away. The old skin cannot hold the new wine. There's a new measurement of success. Another construct I had to let go of was how I measured success. In radio, success is measured by the size of the audience. It is so important that the hour is divided into quarter-hour measurements. The radio station with the biggest audience won, and the DJ with the most listeners won too. And that made the salespeople win, because then they could raise their prices and make more money. The quintessential ripple effect, so the pressure to be number one, was pretty intense. I didn't realize how influential this deeply-seated training was in my current life until I had a realization in the summer of 2017, after I had officially finished my 100 days of meditation, though I continued the practice after I was done. In August, I created an event where I talked about the confusion experiment at the Alaska Center for Spiritual Living in Anchorage. The day before the event, I was terribly anxious. I've learned that when I ask my inner wise one a question, it answers me. So I asked, what is going on here? Why am I freaking out? I realized that my mind was taking that audience size measurement of success from so long ago and laying it over this new experience. It was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. And that's exactly when I realized that measurement was no longer valid. I understood where it was coming from and why it was active. However, I also realized that I wasn't there to measure the success of my talk based on how many people were in the seats. Was I affirming a full house? Of course. But my awareness of what was causing my anxiety allowed me to unwrap myself from it. I was then able to redefine my success as something internal, the expansion of my consciousness and the opening of my heart. I also decided to redefine what success meant and declared I was already successful simply because I was doing it. It was the first Facebook Live event I'd ever done, and I was ecstatic that I was willing to be so out of my comfort zone. It was a huge learning curve for me, and just having that work was such a success. I had over 128 views while live, and to this day, over 500 people have watched that 52-minute video. As soon as I released the audience, it showed up. 
the new design for living. The world as we know it is collapsing. It's part of our natural evolution and necessary for what is coming. However, for many, it's terrifying. We're here inside this time of massive change and people are freaking out. We're turning around and saying to each other, who's got the instructions? I'm getting fired. This is ending. This is happening. How do I do this? Somebody give me the instructions. The problem with the old way is that it doesn't give you the instructions for the new way because the old way doesn't even know it's dying. Besides, it couldn't give you the right instructions for the new way even if it wanted to because it doesn't have them. The new infrastructure is being built from the inside out. The new design for living is within us. We have everything we need. Life can be easy. Life does not have to be hard. That's the old way of living. The old way is you have to be exhausted by the end of your day to know you put in a good day. Why would we want to exhaust ourselves as a measurement that it was a good, productive, successful day? It's killing us. Have you noticed? Our tanks are empty. With this new way emerging through us and as us, we can find ourselves standing on a solid foundation as change brings the walls tumbling down. That's the conscious evolutionary moment before us, to realize that the only real world is the one within, and it wants out. This world can never be touched, affected, changed, or diminished by the external world of effects. Meditation takes you to that place and helps you realize through personal experience that 99% of what is real is unseen, including ourselves. Epilogue When I did the submission video for Kyle, I made two life-changing statements. One, I want to live from my heart all the time. And two, I want to release the gifts and talents that lay dormant within me. I unleashed those two commands to the universe unaware of how they would manifest and what I would have to let go of to get exactly what I wanted. Turns out, I had to go through the deconstruction of my mind so I could live fully from my heart. And meditation was the way. I didn't understand that until many weeks into the experiment, but once I did, it was an intense realization. As far as unborn gifts and talents, I'd say author is a good start. This experiment showed me that to truly be alive meant that I had to surrender everything I had been taught about living. And that's a huge request. On top of that, I had to go deep inside of myself and release the part of me that identified with that formula for living. Also a huge request. My transformation asked me to unlearn the value of knowledge and relearn the value of feelings. It also asked that I let go of the me that had gotten me this far so I could meet the me that was taking me forward. I had to die to myself like the caterpillar so that the butterfly could be born. I had to amputate myself from comfortable habits, ways of being, patterns of behavior to stretch into the sometimes painful discomfort of change. I had to journey to the center of my mind to find the key that unlocked the treasures of my heart. My 100-day meditation experiment has gone on to become a way of life. The opportunities to put my awareness into practice continue, and so do the chances to love, trust, and care for myself as I navigate through my life and all that it is, which sometimes includes a lot of challenges. This leads me to the last finding of my experiment. 
Enlightenment isn't about the shit not hitting the fan. You just clean it up faster. As I thought about how to end this book, I realized you can't end something that has no ending. And so, though this book is ending, the experiment continues because it's really good to be awake. Awake is where it's at. When I first began to wake up years ago, there were times I wanted to stuff myself back into the bottle of unconscious living because once you see, you can't unsee. And I wasn't ready to see all that was really true. To do so required a depth of letting go that I wasn't ready for. But I'm ready now, and I wouldn't go back for anything in the world. I'm finally home. Besides, these wings have other plans. The End